0: Welcome to Soulful Veda's podcast. We are Ayurvedic health coaches that heal imbalances in the mind, body, and spirits. We are here to guide you on your healing journey with soulful wisdom and higher intuition. You are your best healer and your moment to connect to your highest self is now.
1: Yay! So on today's podcast, this is a super special episode because both Angelica and myself are recording and we're going to talk a little bit about our own experiences with what's going on in the world right now. So how we're feeling during this pandemic and during this unique time um, in our lives and in the world. And really just you get a little bit of insight into a conversation that we would normally have. We're just recording it. So yeah, we're just going to dive right in. And Angelica, I want to start by asking you just how have you been feeling overall? And what is your sense of the energy and what, what's going on with you personally, and what are you picking up from the collective?
0: Yeah, so at first, it didn't really affect me that much. And then as time going has gone on, I've realized that I have caught a little bit of fire with the anxiety and the fear, and not that I'm attaching it to the pandemic, I'm just feeling it on a collective level. Um, and I think that's something that's really natural amongst healers, is that we take on the energy of the collective, and sometimes we take it on, take it on as our own. Um, so from an Ayurvedic perspective, for those who know their dosha, this is a vata imbalance when you're feeling more of this sense of overwhelm and fear and anxiety. Um, and yeah, there's like, there's a bunch of ways we can go into this and explain how it's, it's affecting it on right now. But for me right now, it's just feeling a little more ungrounded.
1: Yeah, I, I can relate to that a little but I also think, um, I've been feeling almost the opposite of vata, feeling very kapha lately, and not only does that have to do with the season we're in, because spring is related to coffee season, but I think my heart goes out to a lot of people in these situations and I care and I feel really bad for people's situations other than my own. And while that seems like a really heartwarming thing to do, um, what I've noticed in myself and also in conversations with coaching clients is that When we pour out too much of our heart outward, we start to hold on to this excess energy. It makes us feel super heavy. So it's been so hard for me to wake up in the mornings. I'm usually like, up and at it, like 5.45, ready to roll. And I've I've kind of been honoring that my body wants to sleep in until 6.30 or 7. But when I do wake up, it's like such a slow start. I just want to lay there in my cozy bed. And, yeah, I, I've just been feeling really heavy and very, like, un, unmotivated a little bit lately. So, you know, kind of a mix of both energies going on.
0: Yeah, it's always so interesting how people react to it because – Vata imbalances, they account for 70% of all diseases in Ayurveda, so it's only natural no matter what happens, especially with a traumatic event like we're going through right now, that people are going to have Vata imbalances. But again, at the same time, like you said, we're in kappa season, so it's very well that you can also be feeling kappa, and because the nature of being at home all the time, we're more stagnant, and the energy tends to be lower and heavier.
1: Yeah. Totally. And this kind of plays into my next question. Um, I think a lot of people are experiencing volatile imbalances in their sleep, at least for sure. And I'm wondering if you want to share a little bit about the full moon and how that relates to maybe your sleep or things you've been experiencing with clients and how they've noticed a little bit of insomnia lately where it's not typically present in their sleep patterns.
0: Yeah, it's been really interesting to hear that sleep has been a real big problem. Um, Again, something that I've taken on <laughs> as my own recently. Um, So with the vata imbalance, key determiners of lack of sleep for them can be difficulty falling asleep and difficulty staying asleep. I've had both and I tend to wake up... Um, but usually around between three and four. So if you wake up between 2am and 6am, it's noted as a vata imbalance. And so I'll usually wake up at least once between that time. That full moon yesterday, I woke up twice, I feel like I couldn't go back to sleep. And so with full moons, you know, think of the moon is full, it's at its highest energy peak. And we take in all of that energy, right? we, we pull in energy from the astrological signs. So we would pull in energy of the moon. And so it's powered. It's the biggest super moon of 2020. It's charged. And so we'll take in that energy. And I, I often find with full moons and for people who are more Vata sensitive, that they're going to feel that extra energy, they'll feel really charged and energetic, and it'll be harder for them to go to sleep. And so yeah, what I'm experiencing with my clients too, is, you know, either trouble going to sleep, which is really interesting, because I think with our access social media and just being on technology lately because we don't have access to outdoors as easily um we are just looking at screens all the time and there's more light that's happening there or we're not listening to our app time limits at least mine have gone out the window um so it's interesting that that can play a huge part in it and seeing how your body really reacts to that excess screen time, it's harder to fall asleep because your body has to detach itself from the overstimulation. Whether we think that we're turning off by scrolling through Instagram, our body is always absorbing information. So we're taking in every single post, whether we like to believe it or not, it's more things coming into our sensory perception. So it's really important that we take some time to separate ourselves from technology so that we can feel like we're transitioning smoother into our night sleep.
1: Yeah, I feel this totally because I'm someone who loves the screen locks and You know, not always amazing at honoring them, but I think they're really helpful. And you even know this, that I think it was last Sunday, I did like a 24-hour social media cleanse. And it was amazing because when it wasn't just right there accessible to me, when I wasn't doing other things, like I wasn't even craving Instagram or I don't go on Facebook or Snapchat a lot, but it wasn't even wanting to experience those, right? It's almost like my finger has this reflex, but I notice, especially like if I'm not teaching a yoga class or being, you know, where I used to be in a physical you know, some type of experience where I'm not using my phone. Now we kind of had those taken away and that we're always on Zoom calls or, you know, doing everything that you used to do in person now with the screen that my screen time was at like five hours or something crazy a day. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so upsetting to see, but it's not even taking into account the time on my computer and the time watching TV or any of that. And so it totally makes sense why all that extra stimulation is really causing a major vata imbalance. And a lot of us are feeling like, We have all of this, you know, pent up our access energy, and it's probably not even our own. It's just all of the stimuli from, you know, external things that we're just constantly being in front of, whether it's, you know, in front of our screen and our phone or computer or anything. So that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's, it's building that boundary and getting to the root of why is it happening. So for some of us, it is just that habit of scrolling, picking it up, because when we have that moment of pause, we want to fill it with space. Mm-hmm sometimes we're uncomfortable with that stillness and what the need of the hour right now is that it's stillness and going inward and so when we're not used to that when we don't know how to access that no mind and that stillness we're thinking that we're more productive if we're constantly moving and so that is just like a flick of the thumb and going on an app at least you know i feel that habit as well so just recognizing where's the root coming from and for some of us it's just connection we're feeling the lack of it if we're extroverts or just in general like that one eye connection which i think all humans. Beings do and desire it's, we're seeking more connection. Like what's everyone doing? I don't know what they're doing. So I'm gonna go on Instagram and Facebook and see what my friends are doing. So it's understanding, okay, what is the actual need here? What is the energetic behind what I'm doing and the intention and how can I get more in line with it? So for example, if my intention is to connect with humans, well, what is a better way that I could really connect with them? Maybe I can create a Zoom meeting with all my friends um, from college that I haven't talked to in years because we live so far apart. Um, Or maybe I can connect with my parents more and this is a great opportunity for them to use Zoom. And we have a weekly family um, get together every week. And so just be more intentional about your choices
1: yeah and I think um just just in general, but that's amazing advice, and it brought up something for me that I think this whole situation is really exasperating, exacerbating the time we spend on social media and how we can use it for comparison because one thing that I've noticed and we were just talking about this earlier today is right now it's like content 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 just Always being thrown at us. I've seen so many lives, and these are things that people are living now because I used to be doing it in person, and maybe I wasn't privy to it, right? Because I'd have to go on a studio's website and see, you know, what the class was, and then physically go to the class. Versus now, it's popping up straight on my newsfeed to have direct access to it. So, I think not only being more mindful of our time, but also bringing awareness to what's kind of triggering triggering us in this social space, why we're reaching for it, why we're watching what we're watching, and if something's upsetting us. Why is that? Bringing our attention to that so we can start to dig a little bit deeper on habits that were already there, but now they're really bring brought, being brought to the light, being brought to the surface, and it's so that we can re-examine them. So being mindful and also just you know, taking a look at our conditioning and our habits and seeing where can I improve and let some of these old habits go now that I have the opportunity. So I think that was really helpful. And my next question. So, for those of you who don't know, Angelica is like chakra guru goddess. She knows all of the things, and I've been seeing a lot of posts lately, especially from people who are coaches or entrepreneurs, um, talking about the the Maslow hierarchy or pyramid, and how a lot of people are kind of living in this space right now, where they're used to having their basic needs met, and right now. Potentially those aren't being met. If someone has said lost their job, um, or maybe is having trouble paying rent, etc., that we're kind of living in this, this space of fear and in survival, a place we haven't been in a really long time because we're used to so many comforts, and, you know, in our everyday lives and around us. And so I'm interested in your perspective, understanding that, you know, not from Maslow's pyramid. Um, but more from the understanding of the chakra system and what's the spiritual explanation or meaning behind some of the collective fear and the shift out of having everything at our fingertips and having the freedom to kind of go and do as we please. And that being, um, you know, maybe not taken away from us, but actively choosing to live like that for the collective. But how is that impacting our chakras and
0: us spiritually? I love this question so much. <laughs> I knew you would. I knew it <laughs> like overblown jazz to answer it right now. So the ancient rishis, they downloaded a series of sciences that we know today, like Ayurveda and yoga on um, 10,000 years ago. We don't have actual hard data on when this was because everything was just passed down orally back then. But this is the oldest known system that we know, the oldest known systems that they created. And one of them was the chakra system. It's understanding our energetic body. So we're not just a physical body, we're just not our mind, but we have this unseen field that can tell us more about our physiological functions, our emotional centers, and how we can transcend this energy. And what's really interesting is that we have all these new age models such as Maslow's hierarchy of needs that always kind of come back to the chakra system. It's always relative to that. And we can see how even if we go through the ages of time, so from nomadic time to the age of Renaissance and all of this, again, it all relates back to the chakra system. So something that the ancient Ricis always knew because they were downloading information straight from source and they were in a really clear mindset. So they were intuitively tapping into this higher knowledge that how would they have known that any other way other than being so intuitive and clear? So talking about the chakra system, there's seven main chakras and we have lots of chakras in the body, but there's seven main ones and they build off of each other. And so it's interesting that you say that a lot of times... Right now, people are feeling like their physiological needs are just not being met. And that's the bottom tier of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so similar to the chakra system, the first chakra is root chakra. And so this is when our basic needs need to be met of feeling grounded, feeling like we're comfortable in our home life, in our family, feeling secure financially, and just basic needs being met. And it's really obvious that people are not feeling grounded right now, right? There's so much uncertainty. We don't know what's going on with our financial world, with our home world might be sticky because we're sequestered there right now. So we don't know if that's felt stable before and if it's throwing things off now. And interesting, more enough, how this relates to Ayurveda is that Vata imbalances stem from feeling ungrounded. So not having this foundational layer where we can feel really rooted in in our life. And so, yeah, I just love how you put that. It's, you nailed it. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs is really, re- really relative to the chakra system. Yeah. And thank you for actually saying it correctly. It's not the pyramid. It is the
1: hierarchy of needs, everyone. So <laughs> that's a clear. Oh, I didn't even notice you said that. Okay. Um, and so I'm interested and I can share some of mine too, but um, I, I feel like I was dealing more with Vata imbalances really at the beginning of this year with a lot of different things that were going on in my own life. And it, it took a lot for me to understand how to really ground myself. And both of us are naturally Pittas. So um, I feel like we're, we're pretty strong in this sense. And it's only when I feel really out of balance with Vata that I, I need to put this into practice. But it was kind of a, a new experience for me to see what worked with my body, what really landed, and what helped me keep my structure when I needed it most so if you wouldn't mind sharing like what are your maybe three favorite practices you do to keep yourself grounded
0: yeah so meditation is always the keystone it is clear if I haven't done my meditation for that day and I I truly won't go a day without meditating now that I have done it for so many years and know its benefits and So every morning I I meditate and um, after that, I need to do some type of physical activity to get my energy moving. Um, And so recently, I I really liked the class by Taryn Toomey um, because she really connects it to spirituality and the psychology of the mind and how we're really working with the energetic body because ultimately all workouts, why it feels so good is because we're feeling really in tune to our body. So it makes sense that we would connect it to the psychological mind as well. And I guess a third thing would be um, just remembering to take pauses. So part of what grounding for a Pitta means is taking more space in their day. And for me, I could like knock out a 12-hour day and just go from one thing to the next. Like the first day of our... Um, lockdown or quarantine, whatever you want to call it, I was going crazy, as you know, just like feeling creative and having all these ideas and was like, okay, work mode. I'm inside now and I could just nail everything. And, you know, it, it was great to do that, but it wasn't really productive. I was just making myself busy for the sake of that's what I'm used to. And so now I have a new ritual or one that I reconnected with really is at 3 p.m. I go on a nature walk so that I can slow down, I pause, I reconnect with the things that matter, the things that connect me back to source. And ultimately, all these practices for me is a connection back to source, which is a connection back to my higher self so that I am always rooted in my identity of who I am at truth, um, which is at conscious level, which is just source. I am being here, nothing else.
1: Yeah, I love all of those. Those were magical um, especially the na- nature walk at 3 p.m. And I feel like that's such a, um, it almost has like a childlike innocence, right? Like to just be outside at 3 p.m., like doing your little walk, having your break. It almost feels like, wow, like who gave me permission to be out here at three? And it's like, you gave me that permission. So I love that, that time, that that walk. So, and it's really grounding being in the Vata time of day as well. So that's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and For me, it's kind of the same thing too, like grounding down the pit and I can, I can just push through my entire day. And oftentimes, um, I find myself doing that because I I tie like how great my day was to how productive I was or what I accomplished. Mm -hmm. And it's really been an unlearning of that. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, that you feel like you need to do, you know, 12 things every single day and be amazing at them and do, you know, a bunch of different things to feel like you had an awesome day. And, it's taken time for me to step back for that and teach myself how to be unproductive. Like not every second of my day has to be filled with something that's quote unquote you know, fueling my growth or pushing me toward a certification or, you know, making money or doing whatever it is like cooking a meal, you can feel productive. So I agree taking the spaces to just do those things. And for me, it really started with my morning routine and being able to sit with my hot water in the mornings because nothing productive about that. I would do it for 15 minutes, which is way longer than you need to drink an entire mug of water. But to me, it just felt juicy. And it was like starting my day off nourishing myself and like, I could take it slow. I could look out the window. I could just chill out. And that was a really good tone to set for my day and help keep me super grounded. Um, another practice, yeah.
0: I was gonna say, I love that. I literally, sometimes I think of you when I wake up in the morning because I know you're going upstairs and looking out at the lake and having your moment. And yeah. I remember when you first created that routine for you and how that was such an indulgence for you as a Pitta. That's literally how we feel with these everything Ayurveda, it's such an indulgence. It's like eating a piece of chocolate. It's so yummy.
1: Totally. And like the biggest thing you have to get through with that is like working through any guilt or shame around this idea that you're not allowed to take that. Like it's a Monday. How dare I be up here sitting here when everyone else is getting their coffee and leaving for work. And that, you know, it took me a while to get through that. You know, it still creeps up for me, but it's, it's really an amazing transformation when i am able to, to sit with that and question it and you know still take that time for myself and i notice the difference so it's been
0: really powerful um, yeah and i really also like how you say unlearning because a lot of connecting back to our spirituality like you said it's remembering our childlike self and even when we talk more about spirituality a, a lot of mystics will have this conversation around when the soul is born and as a child and a baby, the reason why babies cry so much is because they are missing their soul. They're missing, um, yeah, like being in the state of their soul where they just came from. And so it's kind of a process of forgetting as you get older as a kid, because you realize that you. it's, it's harder as you face the world and you take on so many other people's energy that you realize that it's harder to remember what that soul is like, and so it's perfect, like you said. It's it's an unlearning; these practices are really unraveling, taking away the layers so that you can get to the core and to the soul of who you are. I love that so much, and I think it makes so much sense because when we're little, we just have so much,
1: you know, freedom in our emotions. Whether it's just pure happiness, pure innocence, pure joy, we just experience that, and there's you know no judgment, and it's really easy as a child to just you know, be present. Like we don't have all of these stressors or things we're trying to accomplish. And as we get older, we forget about those emotions and we we kind of forget why we're here, right? Like sometimes it's so funny to like get done with your work day at five PM and be like, is this what I, you know, came on earth to do? And <laughs> you know, I, part of being here is Dharma and like purpose in our work, but it's easy to get super caught up in that, that kind of hamster wheel. And that was actually my, my second grounding practice sort of ties into that was for me, it was really about stepping back from the thoughts. And I consider myself to be pretty spiritual and really intuitive and in touch and, I got to the place where I was just sort of lacking trust in myself, and you know, even deeper than that, my faith. And I was holding on to something really tightly, thinking about it always. And what I thought at the time was like creative problem solving or manifestation was really this lack of trust and me getting bought into the story in a million different ways the same exact story over and over and over. And so, a really grounding practice for me was to just it sounds simple. It's hard to um, articulate, you know, what was physically happening, but like just noticing the story and just like stepping away from it and realizing what was happening. And I I picture myself in the shower because that's where I tend to notice it. And I would just be like, have I even shampooed? Like, what am I even doing in here? Like I'm over here in my head and not in the water. And I had to somehow step back into that experience. So it's like a million moments a day where I'm just like coming back to myself. So not a really, you know, grounded, (laughs) tangible practice, but just over and over and over again, like, Oh, here I am. (laughs) What's going on in here? What am I feeling? Like what am I actually doing and just living really presently. So yeah, that was a a really big practice for me. And what I still really love and do every single day, like multiple, multiple times a day.
0: Yeah. I mean, that concept that you just described there, that is, the connection between consciousness and awareness. I'm I'm reading the Untethered Soul right now by Michael Singer, and so all of this is really relevant. And he talks about so consciousness is whatever you feel called to um, relate that to as source. It's it's God consciousness, and when we are more in touch with this inner um light being you you recognize that the more that you meditate the more that you come to these spiritual practices because you're in the present moment and eventually you get to experience this joy and this bliss that's that divine innate right to you and so the more you bring your awareness to it because wherever energy goes or energy goes energy flows so the more you bring your awareness inward to consciousness then you start to remember who you are and it just it naturally flows out of you, right? And so for you, you started to direct that awareness to your thoughts because for most of us, the thoughts in the ego mind, it doesn't shut up. And that's what he talks about in the first chapter of the book. Just start to notice- the thoughts that go on your head. Do you notice how often you talk to yourself a day? It's, it's non-stop. So how could you believe everything that that little mind says and the first step is just being aware of it. And then when you start to notice that pattern, like, okay, I notice you keep saying this one thing to me. Is this worth holding on to or is this something that I can release so that I can get closer to consciousness? And that is the exact tool of what meditation does is that it allows you to slow down so that you can start to recognize these thoughts and and then in that split second where you attach yourself to the identity of that story, so for example, I'm anxious, I'm frustrated, before that happens, before you attach yourself to that emotion, you pause and you say, hey, I'm feeling this energy of anxiety or this feeling, this anxiety, of this energy of frustration, and so separate it. And in that separation, that is where awareness is going towards consciousness, because now you are the person who is observing the self, rather than the self just taking over, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I love that book so much. Both of his books, um, he might have more than this, but Surrender Experiments, an amazing one too. And I think when when I first read that chapter you're talking about, it was such a, you know, Interesting idea because while I knew these things from you know previous experience and practice of meditation and yoga, the way he describes it is just so dead on. Like, oh my gosh, this voice actually is never quiet. And if you are listening to this and you're thinking like mm, I don't really have that experience, like notice what you're what you're doing when you're in the shower or I think eating a meal, especially as in this like pops up for a lot of people it's like, you can't even just be there, like tasting your food, right? You're always kind of somewhere else. And it's, it's never a new thought. It's the same thought over and over and over and over. And so that's actually my third grounding um, thing I was going to share. So that that's perfect was that just, taking that time and that space to eat a meal and be present with the food. Like I notice, all of my habits and conditioning creeping up around my food because that's something we use to nourish ourselves. And another way we nourish ourselves is through our thoughts and beliefs. So, you know, those two vehicles are ways to really bring things up to the surface so that we can work through them and, yeah, start to really notice when we're bought into that self versus, you know, coming at it from this place of awareness, like you just mentioned. So yeah, great book, highly recommend if, if you haven't read it yet.
0: Yes, I love all those practices.
1: Um, one other thing I was going to ask you, so getting a little bit more into spirituality and meditation. So you meditate every day and you have um, extensive training and yoga techniques and practices. And I'd love to hear or have you share at least Um a little bit more about your journey with meditation for some of the listeners, because um, I think when I first started meditation, it was kind of like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. There's science behind it. I get quiet. I listen to this thing. I do a body scan and it didn't totally connect with me until I had my own unique experience. And I think you know, that's still valid for people, like just keep going and you'll have more and more experiences and you can build on that as your foundation. But I also think it's okay to kind of play with the types of meditation that you do to find what works with you, you know, which serves you best. And so I'd love for you to share your progress where you started with meditation and what you use today and how you even find growth in that space.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's really helpful to see what it looks like when you first begin, because oftentimes when you're already in it, and then you share your practice, it's really hard for people to make that jump. And it was for me too. So I started meditating when I was in college, and it was definitely not consistent, but it was just something where I was on the yoga path, and I was ready to dive deeper. I wanted to advance my practice. So I just did guided meditations. And, you know, they would help me, but it I didn't feel as connected to them um, because I didn't feel like I needed to do it all the time. I remember the first time that I really committed to it consistently. I was doing my first Ayurvedic cleanse and I I just had this specific vision of texting my brother and sister, like, have you meditated before? It's amazing. I just feel so much more grounded and relaxed and I love it. And ever since then, I've, I've kept it in my life and knew its benefits. And I've definitely fluctuated on and off And until I started to learn Ayurveda and dive deeper into that, my teacher, who I consider one of my gurus, even though he doesn't like that name, he told me that I needed to start meditating every day. So of course, I did that. And I listened to him and his beautiful explanation of how it really centers the mind. And it's the one tool that we have that we can turn off the brain, because when we sleep, The the mind never really stops them because we're dreaming. And so we know that we are still some type of conscious state. But the only time that we can really get to a point of the no mind um, is what we like to call it in yoga is when we meditate. And that's when you can really think about emptying out the brain, emptying out the ego mind, focusing in on one thing. And so I think what really helped me when I took my meditation to the next level was the use of mantras. And until recently, when I was in India and I understood the real... History and science behind the mantras is when I was really sold because I have past conditionings of using uh, different languages and prayers and hymns. Growing up Catholic, I just felt like I was forced to do it rather than it was a natural thing that a natural prayer that that came to me of like really speaking from my heart, which is what prayer is. It's a a voice coming from your heart and so mantras were used in the ancient yogic technology and they were used to invoke a certain energy and they were downloaded from the rishis they were in such deep state of silence that they started to hear these seed mantras called bija mantras and they started to hear the chakra chakras one so lam Vam, ram and those are the ones that we know to energize that certain chakra that we that we have in our body so to either ground our body to give us more in the flow to give us more strength and power and when I learned that that it wasn't just a sound just to make a noise it had a specific technology behind it to invoke this certain energy so then you can take on that energy and when you work with this language we don't have any conditions behind it we don't remember saying lam vom, Ram when we were kids so it's not like we have this past memory that's going to take us out of the moment and that's what it does it immediately diminishes all thought completely when we use mantra work and it's just been it's taken my meditation to the next level because now I actually feel like I get to a point of the no mind where I'm able to focus and it's just as you meditate it just completely develops more and more it's not like oh I've hit my meditation limit, I'm okay, I don't need to do that anymore. You just get to higher levels of consciousness. So there's always deeper work to be had. and once you experience that connection to consciousness, you are you're sold in. you're like, okay, this is starting to feel good. I'm gonna do more of this um, and it does. It just keeps on expanding.
1: I love that. And I um I love the use of mantras as well. And recently you know this, I've been working with Oprah and Deepak Guided Meditation. And I, I kind of go on and off. Like I'll do guided for a little bit and then I'll kind of do my own thing and then I'll listen to music. And for me, I just like to jump wherever. But I really love the way that he shares mantras because I think chanting for me on my own um, I had a I had some similar resistance to it, and he just says it, you know, say it like a thought in your head, and for me that really resonated and got me into that space of using mantras regularly in meditation, and it's it's super empowering and powerful, so I love it. And I wanted to share my first experience meditation too because I just realized this mine was also in college, and I remember really clearly I was in my sorority house and I was about to go to a big exam, and out of like pure exhaustion, I'm like, okay. I am just going to try and, you know, do this thing right lay on my bed for 10 minutes, eyes closed, and I think it's called meditating We just like don't have to think about anything. And to date, it's one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had. I think it's because I had no expectations attached to it. I'm like I'm just going to, you know, get quiet, and I crushed that test. It was <laughs> it was like an advanced test in mm-hmm. and I hadn't studied enough all of the things, and I just got quiet. It felt so good. I came out of it feeling so refreshed and energized, ready for the exam. And I'm like, wow, this meditation thing, I am in, I'm sold, like give me more. And, you know, it was kind of on and off after that. But my first experience was, it was such a great one. And I'm so grateful to have had it and have continued. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting to hear everyone's first story of what what it's like. And I think we're lucky that we had ours early before meditation really became, you know, as trendy as it is now and today, because, you know, there are a lot of attachments to what is a higher state of consciousness. Like I have this thought today still where I'm meditating and I'm like, hmm, like I'm not really feeling anything today. My thoughts are still kind of all over. I feel sort of ungrounded still. And it's, you know, I have enough experience now to be like, that's okay. Keep going. That's what it's here for. It's still serving you. Um, versus if I think I would have started with meditation now, I would have been like, well, I'm doing this wrong. You know, had some of those those thoughts that might've encouraged me to just continue my practice. So yeah, I'm glad that, you know, we both, we both started in college. That's a funny coincidence that I, I didn't realize, but super beautiful to have had it and have built up all of these years of practice.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, it says a lot, like we're obviously going in this direction of yoga and Ayurveda and these ancient teachings are something that we feel pulled to. We just, we gravitate towards the more traditional variations. And I think that leaving the space open, that maybe not everyone will be at gravitate towards tradition maybe more people do like more of the modern ways and so like you said it's more accessible for them to use more guided meditations and there's so many variations of it and you can do things like yoga nidra which would be a form of meditation but not truly the traditional sense of it and i think it's okay and allow yourself that it's okay if you're not doing the traditional form, but any form is beneficial. And even though at times we feel like this is an unproductive meditation, my teacher says you can never have a bad meditation because you needed to do that moment of stillness for yourself and whatever is going on in your head, whether you think it's good or bad, that just, it's not relevant when you're doing meditation. There's there's no right or wrong, it just is. Oh, I love that. So wise.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I love Bilbanidra and I think. That, that point is amazing because for some people, you know, I, I love this too. And some days I need this, it's like a walking meditation. So you're so active. Um, you don't have to have your eyes closed, legs crossed. You're just aware in this moment and all of it's okay. And if you've been following Soulful for a while, you know that we like to modernize things and we take a very balanced approach you know using traditional sciences but bringing them into the modern world and realizing that the biggest thing we can have um, or the, the biggest emotion we can carry with us in any practice is compassion. So if if something's not perfect that's great and like keep going. Every every step is a step in the right direction and you know, meeting our practices with a sense of rigidity or criticism is not serving. So I'd rather see someone with an imperfect practice or a lot of imperfect practices, but still have coming at it from this place of love and joy and you know, truly trying to nourish their soul rather than doing it because it was laid out in a plan, in a curriculum, that like this is how life should be lived. And because ultimately that's not going to serve, right? Because you, you want to get to the place where these practices are empowering and allow you to feel joy and experience love. And the only way you can do that is by first infusing love into the practices. So I love that you brought that
0: up. Oh, perfect. Yes.
1: So I want to wrap this up by, um, Any other spiritual practices beyond meditation that you want to share that you've been using during this time? Um, Anything that, you know, maybe you typically don't do or maybe a regular practice that you do do, but you found specifically helpful um, around the pandemic and just around this time we have had at home?
0: Yes, Um, I can go in a lot of directions. We'll see how much (laughs) we have time for. And um, I, I guess I'll go away from the yoga ones, because those are more obvious. Um, but I feel like I just had to say it. But my Kundalini practice and using Kriya and, and meditation together is is really a staple. And the days where I take that extra practice is really where I see the leaps. I just have to get myself to be okay with doing that practice. There's always the resistance for things that will help you grow. Um, but that that really helps me. And recently, though, I've been trying to Take find the balance, like we said, between the tradition and between the modern. So enjoying the more indulgences in life that wouldn't be considered a classic approach. So it doesn't always have to look like doing a nighttime Kundalini practice for me. And sometimes that looks like doing something like pulling tarot or just being more aware of the signs. We recently talked about this, but being aware of, you know, you have this, a whole army of spiritual beings that are behind you and we call them spiritual guides. Some call them angels and saints. And as you get to higher levels of consciousness, they can get to higher um, devas and um, goddesses and, you know, listening to what their signs are because truly everything in the universe is always happening for you, right? So even during this pandemic, we, how can we switch our perspective to think, okay, where's the opportunity? How is the world conspiring for me rather than against me right now and it's totally okay if you feel that resistance first like feel into that and then when you've forgiven yourself or buying into that disbelief then you can do the work of seeing okay where's the opportunity here and so coming from that place now you can understand what are the signs here how can I collect the data and like just tuning in to all the signs and being in complete awe of how everything is supporting you at all times of the day is, it's inexplicable. Really, you can't put it into words. And so some of my signs, and sometimes I, even I, I don't like vocalizing them because I feel like that degrades them in themselves just because words don't do it justice. It's, it's a feeling that you have that just overtakes you. You, you can't really explain it. Um, but I'll do my best. So my guides know how to contact me now and they contact me through numbers Um, specifically 108 is my number and of course that's because I love ancient traditions and that's really well known in the yoga tradition is 108 and so I'll see it on my clocks I'll see it on the radio at the time all the time any variation of 108 and it's just it's when I know that they're here and the more that I do in these spiritual practice, I realize I see that number just all the time. And so I see that as them telling me, yep, we're here always. Um, and so other other signs that may not be so obvious, too, that I've, I've really noticed. And from working with different healers and from them giving me their perspective, it validated it. Um, it's a funny one. So my car is where my spirit guides speak to me. And so I know I was like, all right what at first, but it's true. So last year um, I had a lot on my plate. I had a full-time job. I was a full-time student. I was doing one-on-one Ayurveda consultations, building a business with Rachel, all things at once. And crazy because when you're a Pitta and you're going in this burnout mode, you don't realize it because you have this fire that is infinite that never burns um, until it literally has to stop you and so it was the dead of the winter and my car battery died Um, at the studio I didn't know what to do I was out there in the cold and so well I obviously got a ride home Um, but my car was stuck there and my battery died and that didn't happen once It happened three times in the span of three months and something had to give the technicians didn't know what happened it was a rather new car didn't have many mileage on it. And so when I spoke to a healer, she was like, your battery is dead. That's what it's telling you. Your body is energy. Everything is energy, right? And so my car is energy too. And so it's reflecting my energetic state and my energetic state is saying, your battery is out. You need to recharge. And since I've left that full-time job and stepped into Soulful fully and let some of the things go out of my life, I'm happy to say that my guides are not sending me messages and breaking my car down anymore, which is really good. But it's funny, they speak to me in different ways too through it. It's It's not all bad. They sometimes they just like to put on all the alarms on my car just to mess with me and it's it's so wild i one time i went and this was a a different car too they did this with that's how i know it's them and they'll put on all the signals and literally like mayday this car is going to blow up everything is going off right now and i pulled over to this auto shop and they were like i don't know what's going on with your car but we did so many tests on it i feel so bad nothing went all the tests were fine. So like, we'll give this to you for free, but like, you're free to go. And like, I'm like, what's so weird. Then it happened with this new car. And when I talked to a spiritual healer about it, she's like, yeah, you have two guys that like, just like to mess with you. And they, it's a reminder of telling you to laugh more, to be in touch with your adventurous, your playful self that you really do like to play, like these little tricks and you're kind of mischievous and a really playful way. So tap back into that inner child. Um, you know, that's the spirituality tap back into your soul. And that's, that's their little reminder. So maybe your car and maybe any electronic device, that's how the spiritual world is easily connected to us. But just start to pay attention to these, these moments where they try to remind you who you are again, and you'll just be in awe of how everything is conspiring for you.
1: I love the car story. I think that's so amazing. And ever since you told me that I've noticed things in my own car, like a tire that kept running low. And I think I told you this, it was the craziest thing, but it was always like the back, right tire, the rear, right tire. And at this time I was also experiencing right, lower back pain. And I didn't connect the dots until you told me the story. And now I always look to my car and especially, you know, I've recently gone out of the city and been driving in a lot more and been really mindful that the maintenance required light is on now. So I've got to do a little investigation on what that <laughs> what that means. I'm like, oh, something's speaking to me. But I think that's such a, a good example and I think really grounds it in that you don't have to get into deep meditation and have visions and hear things always to be connected to spirit. You know, this is something I've struggled with um in the past is feeling like I have to have this brand experience to, to be connected to my spirit guides or spirituality in general. And like I mentioned, I recently, you know, not moved, but gone out of the city to the country, which is where I grew up. And I really miss it, especially with the parks closing down in Chicago and just being in nature is the most healing and incredible experience for me, whether it was in Chicago in the parks or along the lakefront, I would make an effort to go there every single day. Um, but here, this is, you know, I'm I'm literally in the middle of nowhere and there's a long gravel road where I'm staying, a little cabin in the woods. And I was on a run a few days ago and it's, I was, you know, kind of just talking to God universe. And all of a sudden I heard a rustling to my left and there was a deer gliding along next to me. It was the most incredible thing. And for me, it's like later I have to kind of decipher what those things mean, but it's always like, I just know, like, I know that it, you know, the message from that deer or the message from whatever experience is, but it always happens to me when I'm in nature and kind of quiet my mind. And then later as I'm going to do something, whether it's related to work or, you know, anything in my life, like if I've been looking for a solution, all of a sudden the solution's just there. And it's something that I used to take for granted and thinking like, well, I must have, you know, just come up with this or whatever. But really what I've come to realize now is that it was a, a divine download and that I didn't come up with this on my own, but I gave space, you know, for the solution, expanded the consciousness, and then it was able to flow in with the support of my guides. So it can be something simple. And for me it's it's really just getting out in nature and feeling connected in that way and just, you know, noticing different things that pop up, whether it's a deer or I used to love looking at Lake Michigan and whatever the waves were doing that day. It would give me a pretty good sense of how my day was going to go. And it was always so accurate. It was so funny. Um, so I always hoped for like non wavy days, like really nice, clear water. I'm like, okay, this is a day I'm going to crash. Like I'm going to get so much done today. I'm going to have a lot of clarity. Um, but I think it's unique to everybody. And, I I hope this message is empowering you if you're listening to get creative in how you feel connected, because it's not going to look like your car. It might not look like the waves in Lake Michigan. It might not be a deer running next to you in a forest. Um, So just, you know, look out for your own signs and be empowered to see signs and everything, because that's truly where they show up as long as you're looking for them and open to them.
0: Yeah. I think that's a huge, just staying open to them. And if you truly want to be on this, this path of connecting more to spirituality, just be open in ways that you wouldn't normally and, and allow that to happen. And you'll start noticing the patterns and you'll start noticing the universe happening for you. And if you're feeling that disconnect, nature is the way. And that's what Ayurveda says. It's forgetting our true nature of spirit is where all disease starts from. So just by walking out in nature, you will find that connection again.
1: Yeah, totally. All right. So I think we have to wrap this up, but this has been such an incredible episode. Um, I think that we're going to need to do a lot more of these because I think it's really special just for us to sit down and share experiences, especially because we know each other so well and just be able to ask the right questions. And Even some of what you shared is completely new to me. So hopefully this will become a regular thing and I hope you all liked it. We'd love to hear what you think, whether it's in the reviews or comments or somewhere on Instagram, but I hope you enjoyed the episode and we appreciate you listening. If you're interested in diving a little bit deeper, whether it's into your spirituality, maybe it's with your grounding practices, um, maybe you want to get a little bit of insight into your sleep or at how you've been feeling lately with all things going on, you can find us in a few different places. So we're at Soulful Veda, S O U L F U L L V E T A, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, So you can find us there. And if you're interested in maybe your imbalance that you have been experiencing, especially in your sleep, we actually have a quiz on our website, totalvada.com, that you can take to start to get some clarity around that. Um, Angelica, thank you so much for this conversation and sharing all of your beautiful wisdom. You have so much more to share, so we will definitely be back.
0: Thank you. And thank you for sharing all your wisdom, too.
1: Namaste. Thank you, everyone.